When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Payhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Ryan Glass-Spiegel is on the horn now. He joins us from the New York Post. Uh, Ryan, how are you? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Alex. I appreciate it. Yes, of course. Uh, so obviously thought you would be one of the best people to talk to, but all this DeMar Hamlin coverage. Um, I just got off the phone with Michael McCarthy, who wrote yesterday on Front Office Sports that Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp's relationship is a quote, an all-time low. So let's just start with with that. What do you think after the tweet and the non-apologies and the very tense start to their show Wednesday, what do you think is A, the future of Skip at FS1 in the future of Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp working together on Undisputed. So Skip is about halfway, a little bit over halfway through a four-year, $32 million contract at Fox um, that my colleague Andrew Marshan reported about in May of 2021, but it had started a little bit before that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's hard to see him going anywhere in the immediate term. It does seem... From the outside and just from, you know, private conversations and from McCarthy's reporting that the relationship between Sharp and Bayless is at an all-time low. Where it goes from here, anyone's guess. I mean, would Shannon leave the show to do something else? I, I As I said, I think Skip is there at least for like through, you know, summer of 2024. And so... <laughs> Or until summer of 2024. So I don't know if like that counts as like near term or whatever in your book, but I don't think he's going anywhere before like the end of like next football season. So there's no danger of this tweet. And I think you tweeted this too. Skip Bayless has said much worse in his career. And I really think that the reaction to his tweet Monday night is about his overall body of work versus what he tweeted but this outrage is continuing and it's real genuine outrage. So, but you think there's no danger that this would be the end for Skip Bayless at Fox? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, it, it's quite, it's an interesting question. Like how important is FS1 in the long term of Fox's strategy? But at least right now, Skip and Colin are the building blocks of FS1. And they wouldn't be able to replace Skip with anyone who drives anywhere near the type of audience that he does. And again, like, I don't like Fox isn't a company that just bows to the demand of the mob, especially when the mob isn't in the right. And so, you know, like this is like a company that employs Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram, like, the the vitriol that Skip brings about is like nothing compared to that. And you think that, and you just insinuated, you think that this controversy is overblown with Skip Bayless. He's getting too much heat. 
Yeah, I mean, I've I've read his tweet a thousand times now. Like, I don't see exactly what he did wrong. Like, he, I'll read it again. Um, so he said, this is the one that everyone's mad about, but it was sandwiched between, like, other thoughts. So he wrote, no doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game. But how? This is late in the season. A game of this magnitude is crucial to regular season outcome, dot, dot, dot which suddenly seems so irrelevant. And he had written two very compassionate tweets about Hamlin before that. And then right after it, he clarified and said, nothing is more important than that young man's health. That was the point of my last tweet. I'm sorry if that was misunderstood, but his health is all that matters. Again, everything else is irrelevant. I prayed for him and will continue to. Now, it's like, you know, everyone was just, understandably so emotional in that moment and that it just became like something of a pile on where I don't think that the audience was like understanding that Skip in this case actually did have a lot of empathy for Damar Hamlin. And this may be the only time I've ever seen him jump out of this sports fantasy world bubble that he lives in where he's just so monomaniacally focused on sports and this was the only time i've actually ever seen him leave it i mean because he follows literally nobody on twitter he tweets inside of an echo chamber skip bayless he really does he has to see his mentions though especially i mean like there's no way he's not at least clicking like you know the verified tab of his mentions to see how people react to him and i'm sure that now he's also checking kind of the view count or whatever by the way twitter claims that 163 million people saw his tweet on um the the one that like everybody's piling on about i call shenanigans on that that's like i agree half the country there's no way well i think that's one of elon's tools to make us think that our tweets are more visible than they are right i mean all that view count is bs across the board i think right it's gotta be um some combination of like directional where like the ones that have those enormous view counts really are viewed a ton but i think it's also embellished yeah i think it's embellished too i think if you just like scroll past it on a timeline it counts as a view if that wasn't even seen uh who knows but i want to move on to espn and their coverage of the situation monday night and beginning with joe buck and this kind of Back and forth with the NFL. The NFL says a five-minute warm-up time after Hamlin went down was never talked about, never in consideration. But I don't know, Ryan. I mean, I find it very hard to believe that Joe Buck would peddle uh, just, you know, innuendo at a situation like this. The NFL and ESPN, as we know, multi-billion-dollar business partners. I just, I just don't see that being possible. Uh, yeah, it's been, you know, the, there's a show goes on mentality. Like the WWE pay-per-view went on when Owen Hart died. Right. Um, the, the This hasn't happened in the NFL for over like 50 years. Usually when we see one of these like, you know, very scary moments, we at least get the thumbs up on the way out right. of the stretcher. We didn't get anything close to that. Like it was very clear even in the moment, like viewing at home, that the people on the field were very concerned that Tamar Hamlin had died. Uh, you know, there, there's no way the NFL is telling the truth. Like, the first of all, it's not just Joe Buck saying it. Um, ESPN PR 
issued a statement basically backing up Buck. Uh, Timothy Burke, um, the old Deadspin writer, he published um, audio of like the Westwood One broadcast where they had the same intel. Mm, Michael Silver, who worked for the league um, in NFL media, now he's a writer out in San Francisco. He said basically he backed up Buck's account with independent sourcing. So, um, you know, I just – the NFL – I think probably realizes that they were wrong in their immediate quest to want to continue the game. But like, you know, it it is enormous stakes. Like the number one seed in the AFC is at stake. Like there, there's all sorts of different like permutations between like fantasy football finals and gambling. Like no question, DeMar Hamlin's, survival takes precedence over all of that but like you can see why this is like this is one of the biggest games of the year and it it was not kind of like you know houston texans versus indianapolis colts week seven um so like i can see why skip was like processing these thoughts like this in real time because you're like there's no way to resume this game without totally messing up the playoffs um they like if if they were like the the nfl statement said no decision has been made about whether to resume it later if they resumed it after week 18 when could they even do it like next thursday and then hold right following like monday and tuesday they have a monday one but this is going to impact not just two teams it's four teams that it would impact and so I I don't know how um, they're going to be able to resume it, and I'm fascinated to see how they like adjudicate it in the records. And that's a really interesting point that you brought up. I mean, obviously, it goes without saying that Demar Hamlin's health and well-being is more important than anything else, than any playoff scenario, game rescheduling. But you know, people in sports media are paid to talk about the sports. And if you are an NFL analyst, a big topic as the week goes on, I think will be, how does this shake out? How does this affect the playoff picture? And like I said, you know, nobody wants to step in it and be accused of the person who is brushing over DeMar Hamlin's situation. But like you said, this is a legitimate topic and you are paid to talk about this stuff. And there's obviously a time and a place, but you know what I'm saying? Like, right. this, this is a legitimate like, conversation. You know, I would say though, if you look at like, the thing is, is Skip doesn't tweet in threads. He just fires them right. off and hits yeah. send. If his whole thing was like a thread, it might've been construed differently rather than as the standalone tweet where again, he did, you know, say that, that like all of that is meaningless, but it's, it is really kind of wild to see. Cause there were like, you know, sauce Gardner was calling for skips job and it's yeah. like, I don't know. I, I think, as you said, it was a little bit of like a lifetime achievement award where skip has yes. aggravated so many people for so long that everyone just wants to see his scalp and, you know, emotions are running high in this moment, understandably, but in this case, yeah, I, I don't think he did. I do want to return to something with Shannon because um, him him as like a standalone media entity without Skip is like very interesting idea because, you know, he had a media career before Undisputed and it wasn't nearly as successful as his he was. Career. He was kind of mocked on CBS's NFL pregame you know, show, he got, right? He got dropped from that over, right. um, you know, I'm not prepared on – 
all of the details, but he had, first of all, like he, people didn't love his commentary. Second of all, he had like a number of off camera domestic allegations that like surfaced at the same time. And I don't know if any of them were like ever adjudicated in a conviction or anything, but th those were hovering over him. And he was at ESPN. Like he, I think he worked with Skip, like filling in for Stephen A on first take a little bit. And that was like how the idea of the partnership was born. But ESPN wasn't clamoring to like sign him to a full time deal when they had him in their building. And so, um, you know, Skip has had the most success in his media career work. I mean, Shannon has had the most success in his media career working with skip and i don't know i think that he's like i think shannon could drive like big digital audiences with like a podcast and like a youtube channel but i'm not sure that he could have as much of an impact on linear television away from skip i agree his uh his statements on the intersection between sports and race i think generally do really well online so i agree i think he could go more towards that kind of route. Um, my last question for you, Ryan, is to return to ESPN. They were in the spotlight this week too. How do you how do you think you did? They did overall Monday night and Tuesday uh, covering the story. So the criticism I got privately from someone who's very sharp is ESPN. This is what he said. This is how he said ESPN knew this game was going to get postponed, but they left kind of um, Buck Aikman, Lisa Salters, Booger McFarwin, Susie Colbert, and Adam Schefter twisting out there with nothing new to say to keep getting ad breaks in on the Monday night football right. telecast so that they wouldn't have to pay make goods to advertisers because they mm. don't think this game is going to get made up. This is going to be like probably – it's going to possibly be the fourth biggest ESPN telecast of the year after the college football semifinals and the finals. Like I think this game, if it had gone close the whole way, probably would have been the top-rated Monday night football game of the year – so also prop like I don't know it wouldn't it would have come close to some NBA finals numbers and so um you know it would have been at worst top 10 broadcast between ESPN and ABC of the year in terms of viewership and if you look at like what they make in ads just from those 3 hours it's enormous and all of that or at least you know 2 thirds of it now goes by the wayside but mm -hmm. i if it were me I don't know. I can't put myself in their position and what I would have done. I think the broadcasters all handled it great. Um, yeah. You know, not well, the whole world is watching them waiting to pounce on like the slightest negative thing right. that they say. And I didn't see that happen with any of them. Um, I saw people, there's some pushback to like Ryan Clark on SportsCenter, but I thought he did a good job. I thought he was great. It's a very emotional moment. And I don't, I, you know, I, I like to think like if I was in charge, could I have done a better job? I doubt it. You know, if I was a broadcaster, could I have done a better job? Definitely not. So, um, yeah, I, I was very impressed with like the tone. It, it was, you know, it was a little bit redundant because they kept coming back to like Susie Booger and Schefter with like no new information. And they right. would just kind of have to say the thing that they said in the last segment. Right. So I don't know if they could have, you know, brought in Steve Young or Randy Moss right. or whatever, like yeah. whatever, other people just so you're getting 
not a total rehash, but right. um, the people that they tasked with it were doing, I think, a very good job. Yeah, that would be my one criticism. They have so many ex-NFL players, you know, I would I would assume ready to go on Zoom at any moment. I would like to hear some new voices. But like you also said, in that moment especially, everyone, and rightfully so in today's climate, at ESPN especially, so afraid of saying the wrong thing. Like, I totally understand why Booger and everyone else was just like, you know what, like, I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not going anywhere with this. I'm not touching this. I'm just saying the most basic thing I can say and get out of the way, you know? I, I thought Booger was pretty profound, actually. Like, he was the well, first later person on, yeah. to say, you know, they're not going to continue this game. He he went there before anybody else would. But, um, yeah, it, when, once they had been, you know, once they had done two or three segments, did we need, like, the fourth and the fifth right. with the same people? I don't know. It was tricky. But that the... the uh, overall, like I'll give ESPN's coverage of this an A. It's an impossible spot, and they did about as well as like anybody could reasonably expect of them. Yes, definitely unprecedented. Ryan Glass Spiegel, thanks for the time. Great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Talk soon.